Well, I was at work that day, and I know this sounds far-fetched, but I had like a voice that just come to me and said, find Michael. And I'm, you know, I'm typing at my computer and I'm like, find Michael. Okay. Hmm. So I just, all right, go back to typing on my computer. It says, find Michael. I was like, okay, now I need to find Michael. So I was like, sitting here thinking I'm at work. I can't just go find Michael. So I went back to work it again. And it said again, find Michael. So I'm just like, okay, I'll find Michael. But I can't do that till I get off work, you know. So I just called mom. And I was like, did Michael come home? She said, no. I was like, well, where's he at? She said, well, I guess he's at this person's house that they said he, they left him at. I said, well, we need to find him. Warning, the podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. Goodbye, Season 4. Hello, Season 5. Brought to you by Hero Industries. Designing and manufacturing uniquely branded products for first responders, government agencies, and corporations worldwide since 2000. Welcome back, true crime fans. I'm Wendy. And I'm David. Well, David, you wanted us to do a bonus episode to recap our season four. Tell me what you are looking for today. We closed out season four, so we're going to start season five. And I just wanted to recap what season four was and give the audience a glimpse into what season five holds in store for the listener. For example, when you look back at season four, what, what do you think What was your favorite episodes out of the ones we did and why? You know, it's really hard to choose because they all were very unique in their own way. From forensics pathology with Dr. Greg Davis, we covered the murder of Joseph Trevor Dilger, which we talked about arson investigations, also very interesting. You know, we did cold case investigations with Detective Rob Wilson, learned a lot through there, especially covering that Melanie Flynn missing person case. And then lastly, we did the missing persons with Detective David Hester, primarily on runaways, but also missing persons in general. They all were really unique in their own way. So, you know, it's really hard for me just to choose one. I agree. I think if I was to look at what we did in season four, with a lot of intent, actually, is season four was pretty much an educational season is that I wanted to get people ready for where we're going to move on the podcast in this next coming year. For example, the forensic pathology with Dr. Greg Davis, I loved after working with uh, Dr. Davis years ago, because he took the listener way beyond the autopsy and talked about the theory behind pathology, forensic pathology, the need for it, and even gave some advice on people that might be interested in it. And I agree with you on the murder of Joseph Dilger. That was an amazing case, but educationally, too, is that 
the listeners got to learn what arson investigation was and how that can tie in so critically to a death investigation. A lot of detail. Of course, that was with Chris O'Brien and Tim Upchurch. Chris was a former firefighter and arson investigator, runs his own practice now in arson investigations. And Tim Upchurch just recently retired as a police officer and spent several years in the homicide unit at his department. Yeah, and I think what was really interesting about that particular case was how fire and police work together, which is something that not many people think of. I know it obviously does happen, but oftentimes when you think of murder, you don't associate it with them partnering with firefighters. Right. Difficult investigations. A lot of times they're circumstantial. And of course, the whole goal when somebody uses arson is to destroy evidence. So recovering all that's pretty critical, too. It was just interesting, too, to, to listen to Chris talk about fire behavior. And of course, I think if we, if we looked at that, one lesson we walked away from that was it's not to light grills with gasoline. Because, and I'm not going to give that away, but people should go back and listen to that because of the story that told in that case. But just the way fire behaves and gasoline behaves and how dangerous it is in and of itself was was fascinating. It reminded me of when I was in the homicide unit and worked with arson investigators, what I learned. For example, I still remember Gary Ward teaching me that in some instances, if you have a room that's been on fire and a glass bulb, for example, hanging from a ceiling in the center, that that bulb will melt and start to kind of like point to the origin of the fire. Just those neat things that I, I never would have picked up on. So a lot of thanks to Chris O'Brien and for Tim Upchurch for really talking about how they put that case together and brought justice to the murder of Joseph Dilger in a, from a violent death. That was pretty interesting, too. And on the cold case investigations with Rob Wilson, that really was a good primer for where we're going to start going when we're adding cold cases or missing person cases or unsolved cases starting in this next season is to talk about how difficult those were. Yeah, it was really interesting just hearing the ins and outs of how, you know, oftentimes people think that cold case files just set. And I guess if you're a victim's family, that's how you obviously you're feeling because there's no resolve brought to your loved one's case. But just the behind the scenes things that go on or leads that they continue to follow in order to bring justice to that victim was really eye-opening when, like I said, many people may think that it's just sitting in a box in a cold case file room. Again, speaking from experience that unfortunately when I left, I had some that are on that shelf too, because the workload on investigators in the police department is pretty much like swimming upstream or against a current is it's the old one step forward, three steps back, is you feel like you're gaining and then you pick up other cases and it's like you never get caught up. Another part of that conversation that I really enjoyed was the grassroots detectives, the amateur detectives, and and Rob talking about how they can build a rapport with a police department or some investigators to where if they've got time to work on a case, to actually learn how to communicate, how to have that rapport, how to move that case forward because there's a lot of well-intended people out there that do excellent work with that. I really enjoyed that as well. And of course, like you mentioned on the top, is having the opportunity for our listeners to ask questions about Melanie Flynn, who was missing for about 40 years here in, in Lexington and was the focal point of the Bluegrass Conspiracy, a book based here in Lexington. To have that opportunity for listeners, I thought was a big deal too. Yes, and I may add, still missing. Still, still missing. has it been exactly. solved. So some of these cases, as as listeners know, go on and on, and sometimes they're just 
is no end to it. Sometimes they're simply just not found. And you hope that one day, somewhere, somehow, someone will come forward or some lead or the amateur detective, as you were speaking, has that one piece of information that may crack that case. Do you have a fundraiser coming up, putting together an event and need something to help market it? With the holidays approaching, do you need gift ideas for your company or organization? Hero Industries has you covered. Hero is known for their cute and adorable canine hero plushies and their stunning challenge coins, but that's not all they have to offer. Hero also offers custom bottle openers, lapel pins, cigar cutters, tactical teddy bears, and custom badges. Any logo, any badge, any size, any shape. You pick how you want it. Just send Hero your logo and how you want it to look, and Hero makes it happen. Hero's excellent customer service makes it easy for you to design your item and offers a variety of accessories to pair with your order. Hero Industries has been working with law enforcement, government agencies, and canine handlers throughout the U.S. since 2000 by providing top-notch service with amazing details and one-of-a-kind products. Check out Hero Industries on Instagram at hero underscore industries underscore inc or cruise their website at www.hero-industries.com. Exactly. The fact that they have time is what makes the difference compared to the workload I talked about. And then finally, that one we wrapped up with, with Detective David Hester on missing persons. Again, that's a primer for where we're going to understand how cases are picked up, when they're investigated, how aggressively they're investigated or not, and the challenges in that. Because again, David focused, as his expertise brought him to the table with juveniles missing, which is a razor's edge. It's, uh, uh, the stress on that's incredible. Because like David talked about in, that, in those episodes, is the likelihood of something going wrong is extremely low. But you have to regard everything as that likelihood could become a possibility or reality. Well, right. And it, like you said, it is, it is very low. And oftentimes the juveniles come back more times than not. However, if you're that family waiting on your child to come back home, you don't necessarily see the, that theory of 70% of the time they come back. So it was really neat hearing him break that down in how he works those cases or how the leads are followed up on those missing juveniles. Or like he said, sometimes they just show up at the door or at a friend's house. But again, that's for that family waiting for that child to come home. Is That's not just commonplace uh, like like he knows that it is, David. So, yeah, that was very interesting as well. And then just to see his in and outs of how he followed those and, and the other cases, certainly that we talked to off record with him, it was just really amazing the stuff he has seen and has done. And uh, I, I was really impressed by, by David. Extremely difficult work, and he's, he's a very smart guy. It was good to sit down with David and pick his brain on that. And, you know, we talked a lot about, we contrasted and compared the juvenile missings with adults because they're a little different. And one of the things we touched on with the adults in this, in these episodes was the frustration of the family members. Because for law enforcement, and again, if people listen to the episodes, we detailed this, 
When adult goals missing, there has to be other aggravating factors along with the fact that they're simply not contacting anybody. And those gauge the effort that law enforcement can put in. And that's extremely frustrating for families. And as we move forward and do some of these missings with adults, we'll hear that. And and definitely I'm on our first one in season five where that is alive and well, that frustration. Right. And it it, it is. You're right. Also, I may want to add with David Hester, he broke down the criteria that makes a case meet or not meet an Amber Alert. And I learned a lot from that. I, I really just thought you have a missing child. It's an Amber Alert. And it's not. So that's certainly an episode that our listeners won't want to miss because it was very educational. Not that all of them weren't, but I, I really was amazed by what I thought an Amber Alert was versus the criteria that it takes to make it an Amber Alert. Right. There's a point of frustration. People believe that everything should be, and David described it best when he talked about how it can't be everybody goes into the Amber Alert system because we'll get very casual about those. People will take them for granted. They'll breeze by them. And like he said, it, it's he compared it, I think, to a thunderstorm warning to a tornado warning is that, you know, the thunderstorm warning is is people get used to those and but the tornado warning is rare because you have a confirmation that something's really bad about to happen so david did a great great job with that and again if people will listen to these episodes it'll help them box things together for what we're about to come out with so wrapping season four up if we can make recommendations to for people to add these to their podcast library and and listen to them it would be forensic pathology with dr greg davis that's three episodes extremely educational uh, Dr. Davis is a teacher, and you'll hear that when you get through that. The four episodes of the murder of Joseph Trevor Dilger, which is going to focus a lot on arson investigation and how that played a role. Code case investigations with Detective Rob Wilson. Like you said, Wendy, we'll talk about how they get cold, when they're cold, how they get resurrected, or how they get dusted off and worked and why. And then finally, that last one in season four, Missing Persons 101 with Detective David Hester was fantastic. So, David, you're talking about season five and our opening for that. What are you wanting us to start with? Let's tell our listeners. And what can they expect out of the upcoming season? Well, season five is going to open with our first missing and actually considered murdered case. It's on a young man named Michael Gorley from here in Kentucky, in our immediate area, actually. And Michael has been missing for six years as of the date of this recording. I had the opportunity, I know you were busy, but I had the opportunity to speak with Michael's mother, Sandra Hasty, and his sister, Jennifer, and also with a fantastic private investigator who's a former police officer from Connecticut named Mike Ward. And it was a, a, a very interesting conversation because what I want to do with Michael Gorley's case is let the listeners learn who Michael is. And that's important because right now Michael is in NCIC, he's in NamUs, and there's posters everywhere. But Michael, like everybody else, was a son, a brother, and a father, and he's missed terribly. And this case is really interesting. It has what I would say is high solvability factors, but we'll talk in the case about why it's not moving forward and what needs to happen in that. So we're going to open with that one. We hope the listeners learn from that one. We hope that maybe we move that case forward by keeping Michael's name and his case in the news and available for people to learn about. Well, I think also what 
I would hope, and I'm sure the family would hope as well, is that there is that amateur detective out there who may know something that can come forward. I know that you told me after you met with Miss Sandra that there was a person, and I know we'll dive deeper into this when we release this episode, but there was a person who had pivotal dream or vision, if you will, as to where he may be. And, you know, it makes me wonder if that isn't something that this person knows that's just on her conscious, kind of like, you know, back with our Trent DeGiro case where the ex-girlfriend came forward because her conscience was eating her up. And that's how that case was solved. So I'm wondering if maybe this person knows something or one of our listeners has just a small, small piece of information that may bring justice to this victim. And that's where we're going to go. And I I want people to listen to those episodes when they come out because that's exactly where we're going to go. And I think people will sense the same thing. So with that, we want to thank our listeners for the support we've had at the time of this recording. Again, we're just a little over a year old and we're just thrilled with the people that are following us. And we'd ask people once again to always tell your friends. This is the podcast that is based on victim advocacy and learning. And we hope people are, are learning a lot about how these investigations take place. Absolutely. Again, thank you, listeners. Please share with your friends and continue listening. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police Podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform, as well as at MurderPolicePodcast.com, where you will find show notes, transcripts, information about the presenters, and much, much more. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which is closed captions for those that are hearing impaired. Just search for the Murder Police Podcast and you will find us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast from. Make sure to subscribe to the Murder Police Podcast and set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.